Welcome to CBJ in 30, the official podcast of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Here's Bob McElligot. Let's do this one last time for the season, shall we? One more Monday mailbag. One more time you ask your Blue Jackets questions. I give you my Blue Jackets answers. And then we either agree or we disagree or or we don't. Uh, whatever. You know how it works by now. We've done this for the entire season, and uh, the season finally has come to an end. And it did that on Friday night when the Blue Jackets lost to the Buffalo Sabres at Nationwide Arena. And with that loss, with that loss, the Blue Jackets finally settled their chances of winning the NHL Draft Lottery. They finish Second to last overall. Yep, they blew the opportunity to finish dead last by beating uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins in overtime on Thursday. And so they have to settle for second to last. And the chances of winning the draft lottery are at, what is it, 13.3%, something like that. It is uh, down from the 25.5% chance that you have if you finish dead last overall. That is the opportunity that you'll find the Anaheim Ducks have to win that first overall pick in the NHL draft lottery. They finished dead last, edging out the Blue Jackets right near the very end. But remember, for those of you that were part of this show last week, we decided as a group, some of us did, some of us grouped together to decide that whatever was to happen would happen last week. And the Blue Jackets had six points potentially on the table with a game in Philly on Tuesday and the two at home, Pittsburgh and Buffalo, and they picked up three of a possible six, and that's what did them in. That extra point by winning against Pittsburgh. And again, it is just, it's ridiculous, right? Because the last thing you want to do is lose to the Pittsburgh Penguins again, and you don't, and we're still pissed. So you just can't win for losing, literally. You just can't. Now, That being said, if you go back a couple of weeks ago, the Blue Jackets had 10 games left. Somebody asked me, how many games are they going to lose in these, or uh, I'm sorry, win? How many are they going to win in these last 10? I believe I predict, no, I don't believe. I know I predicted two and eight. I believe that's what it wound up being when it was all said and done. So I'm going to break my own arm, pat myself on the back for that, but you just knew that they were not going to pack it in. They, they just weren't going to lose them all. That's not in their DNA. It's not in their nature as players or coaches, and so that's where it is. Now, what has happened between then and now? Saturday morning came, day after the season ended. Yarmo Kekalainen immediately announced that Brad Larson would not return as the head coach of the Blue Jackets. He also announced that Manny Legacy would no longer be the goaltending coach for the Blue Jackets. So the coaching search is officially on for the Blue Jackets starting this week. Who is going to be the next head coach? Will it be an experienced coach, somebody that's run an NHL bench before? Will it be a young up-and-comer? Will it be somebody that's still on the staff? Because Pascal Vincent was retained, at least for the moment, because... The next coach, if it's not him, will have that opportunity to decide whether he stays or not. Steve McCarthy, who coached the defense this year, he also is uh, still on staff along with the skills coach, Kenny McCudden. So those guys are in place. 
no head coach, no goaltending coach, and those two positions have to be filled by the Blue Jackets management. And again, that head coaching position, what are they looking at? Do they want experience? Uh, are they okay with going with a young guy? Look, this is no offense to Pascal Vincent, a guy that in the past two years that I've gotten to know and, and I like and I respect tremendously. I'm just not sure if you can go back to the assistant coach becomes the head coach because you just did that two years ago when John Tortorella left and Brad Larson came in. And again, that's not fair to say because Pascal's his own guy and he is somewhat of an outsider, whereas Larson was not. Larson was with the organization for seven years prior to getting the head coaching spot. And, you know, it's it's another example, and you can go back throughout the history of the National Hockey League and look at teams who took the, the assistant coach and made him the head coach. Even though they're good people and they work hard, it, it just doesn't work very often. It just doesn't. And... You know, the Red Wings went through it when Mike Babcock left and Dave Lewis came in there early on. That didn't work out. Uh, who else did it? Didn't uh, didn't St. Louis do that at one point? I think after Quenville left, they did that. It didn't work. And it's um, is it time to go to the outside and look for fresh ideas? Maybe. Maybe it is. Uh, is Pascal Vincent still considered an outsider, even though he's been here for two years? Maybe that's the case, too. I don't know. Or do you just want to go out and do you want to get – Somebody that got let go this week. Somebody like a Peter Laviolette, who he and the Washington Capitals decided mutually that his time was over there and he wanted to look for something else and they wanted to look for something else. Uh, Would you look at a guy like a Claude Julien, who's been around the league with Montreal two different times, Boston, New Jersey, a lot of experience there. A guy like that, is, is that what you might have in mind? Or... You know, uh, an up-and-coming guy. Would you would you look to, um, you know, the New Jersey Devils and look for a top assistant there? And Andrew Burnett, who took over the Florida Panthers last year when uh, Joel Quenville was relieved of his duties, and Burnett did a good job there for the remainder of the year. They didn't retain him. They went out and they got Paul Maurice, and now he's the top assistant on Lindy Ruff's coaching staff in New Jersey, who's having great success. Would you look at something like that? Would you look at a uh, Mike Vellucci, who is in the Penguins organization, has been an assistant for Mike Sullivan for the last couple of years, a guy that was on the Blue Jackets' radar the last time that they made a coaching hire and opted not to go that way? Vellucci is hes a young guy. Well, not as young as his resume uh, because he coached a lot of junior hockey. He coached in the American Hockey League, won a Calder Cup with uh, Charlotte in the American Hockey League, too and now has been assist, an assistant for Pittsburgh, which, again, you can grit your teeth and not like what I'm going to say all you want to, but an organization that has had success, and he's been a part of the success. So what direction do the Blue Jackets want to go with that? That is, uh, of course, uh, the question. It is the question as we enter the offseason. Uh, where are they going to go? What are they going to do uh, with the head coach and then – with the goaltending coach. And the goaltending coach is almost as important, if not more important, than the head coach right now because the uh, top goalie has been a head case in the last couple of years, and he has uh, he's fought himself uh, for good reason last year. You know, last year coming into last season, he had had uh, so many things that had gone on during the offseason, uh, <laughs> notably the death of his best friend. Um, and he was there for that, and going into the year, that was a, a huge mental struggle for him. There's no question about that. Uh, this year, 
He came in, uh, wanted it to be much different than last year, but unfortunately it wasn't much different than last year. And uh, the performance, the numbers, the numbers don't lie when it comes to Elvis's performances this year. And he and Manny Legacy were very close. And, uh, you know, Manny is, uh, look, look, he's a good friend of mine. I, I like him. But when it's time for change, it's time for change, as they say. Didn't they say that? Was that from, was that from the Brady Bunch? Was that when Peter's voice was changing? They were singing that song, right? When it's time to change. Yeah, I think so. But anyway, I don't want to derail myself here but anyway uh um you know the approach to elvis i think uh the organization feels needs to be different so the uh, choice of who is going to be the goaltending coach is extremely important you've got elvis that still has four years left on his contract he's making big money he's getting paid like a number one he hasn't played like a number one the last couple of years they need to get him back into that form because they need him to, to do that job. They do. And if he can't do that job, then they need to figure out who they're going to get to do it and how they're going to rid themselves of his contract because it is a, uh, it's a huge contract, as I said. So that, that's got to be figured out. So these, these two hires are extremely important for the Blue Jackets here over the course of the next couple of weeks. And not so much with the goaltending one, but with the head coaching decision, I wonder... If uh, come May the 8th, when the draft lottery takes place, depending upon where the Blue Jackets wind up slotting in the draft order, if that will um, affect the number of people that are interested or reaching out about this job. Uh, On 32 Thoughts, the podcast with uh, Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick, they talked about this uh, a lot. was listening to it yesterday, and Elliot Friedman feels that this is a job that is going to be in high demand for a couple of reasons. Number one is the one that I just said. If you end up winning the draft lottery and you have a chance to coach Connor Bedard, that's going to be a big deal. If you pick second and you're coaching Adam Fantilli with this group, that's going to be a big deal. Once you get beyond two, um, you know, you've got Lucas Carlson. I, I still think that's a big deal, but I think the first two are really big deals. I think there's really big deal A and really big deal B, and then it drops off a little bit. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see how it all how it all plays out. But my point is you could uh, coach one of those two guys, and you're plugging them into a team that has assets. You could talk about either one of those guys. You think they would look pretty good, pretty good in between Patrick Line and Johnny Gaudreau? I think they would. Now, I know Line's talking about still continuing the experiment of playing at center, and that's fine. I'm I'm just pushing that aside for the moment here. I don't care about that right now. I'm just talking about if you could take a centerman and you could plop him in between those two on your top line, it's not bad, right? So for a coach, that is very uh, – I think that would be enticing to have that kind of a situation. You, you're not starting from scratch here, Okay. And I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs next year and they're going to win the Stanley Cup or anything crazy like that. I'm saying that you're not starting from scratch. You already have pieces in place. And you're going to get another piece high up in the draft that you might be able to, to use immediately. Maybe you will, maybe you won't. Depends where you pick. If you end up falling down to, I don't know, fourth, then that then maybe it's a crapshoot. Maybe it's a little bit different there. But we'll have to wait and see how that goes. Um, but that when you're talking about guys that have coached in this league before and that kind of experience and somebody that wants to have success, you're not going to find a lot of guys that have coached for a long time that want to come in 
and do a full-on rebuild. But you will find guys that have coached for a long time that look at a situation like this and say, okay, now, we've got a lot of pieces here. I think we can do something with that. And, yeah, the goaltending's a question mark. I get it. The defense is a question mark. They're going to tweak that. They're going to work on that. They're going to try to fix that during the uh, offseason. But when it comes to the floor, the forwards, you have a plethora of guys right now that you could put. I mean, you've got Gaudreau. You've got Line A. You've got Marchenko coming off a record-setting rookie year. You've got Kent Johnson coming off a great first full year in the National Hockey League. You've got Yegor Chinikov, who we've all just about forgotten about because he was hurt so much at the end, but he was really showing signs of being very good uh, before that happened. You know, there, that's five guys right there. So that's two and a half lines right there. You've got the uh, Olivier, Corrali, and Robinson, or even Foodie line. <laughs> who knows? I think that's going to be a battle next year. If they're both here, Robinson and Foodie, I think they could be battling for a spot next year. You know, you've got that. You, I haven't even mentioned Boone Jenner. How can I not mention Boone Jenner? Whether he's playing at center or playing at wing. Cole Sillinger, can he be rejuvenated after struggling this year and having that sophomore slump that people say don't exist and nobody wants to talk about, and then it happens, and then we talk about it? Yeah, what's going to happen with that? So there are a lot of pieces. There are a lot of pieces. You're going to have a healthy Zach Wierenski coming back into next year. You had an Adam Boquist who was better after he came back from his injuries and was basically told he's got to pick it up and he's got to play harder. He did. Uh, is he where he needs to be? No, he's not. But is he trending that way? I think so. I think so. Can he totally get there? I don't know. I don't know. Um, so you've got those two guys. Eric Branson found his role on this team. He's going to be fine as I told you throughout the course of the season, if this was a playoff team, you wouldn't complain to me one iota about Eric Goodbranson because you would be happy to have a veteran guy like that with the abilities that he has playing in a third line or a third pairing role. You would be happy with it, and I think that's going to happen. Um, you know, so there there are things that need to be done, but there are some things that are going to be already done by default. The way this team is made up already, so. That's where I am on that, and I have pontificated for far too long, as a matter of fact. It's almost like I think it's my show and not yours, but it is yours. It is a Monday. It is a mailbag, and it's where you are supposed to ask me questions. So if you are with me live on Twitter Spaces, just request to be a speaker, and you do that, and I will, uh, I'll bring you on, and you can ask your question live. If you've already sent me something on Twitter, at Bobby Mac Sports, I'll start to sift through all this. By the way, I don't know how this happened. Well, I do know how it happened because people start replying to one another, but I, I'm, I started going through questions, and then there's like I'm in the middle of this long conversation between people that's going on here. So, I mean, oh, good Lord. So my work is cut out for me on sorting through this today is my point. But I will. I'll get to it um, if you if you have uh, given me your question that way. But uh, Mollusk Man, Mollusk Man is going to be first up with us here today on the Monday Mailbag. How are you? Hey, Bobby, how you doing today? Good. Oh, good to hear. Um, all right, so um, I've cooled down a little bit from the, uh, I say you can't see me doing air quotes, but the, the victory against Pittsburgh. So um, I'm in a better state of mind after that. Um, my question is, because I couldn't watch the game because I canceled my subscription uh, pri prior to it because I didn't really feel like watching the Jackets for the last two games. Um well, I guess I have two questions. The first is in regards to those two games. I know Svazza was up 
And I heard he actually did pretty well. Can you sort of give some insight into that? I know he's quite young and quite raw, but from what I heard from other fans who did watch the game is that his performance was quite promising. Uh, the second is in regards to coaching. Um, I don't know if you've heard rumblings or what your own personal opinion is, but do you see them going for the more established name um, or do you see them going for more of the promising assistant coach route? Cause I'm, I've been looking through the lists of, you know, the we'll call them retreads, but past coaches who have were once prestigious names like Laviolette and Babcock and Julian and whoever. And I, I have to be perfectly honest. Um, I don't think any of them really inspire confidence for me. Um, the only one who really would was uh, would be Quinville, but obviously there's uh, additional baggage regarding that. So um, I guess I'm curious to pick your brain. I, I know you addressed it a little bit on Saturday. But yeah, the, the Quinville one, we talked about this on Saturday in the, the skate space that we did. You would have to have the uh, – the league would have to give you the approval on that. Now, I will and, say and this. And even if they did, yeah. Yeah, it's – yeah, even yeah. if they did, you, you're going you're, you're gonna to deal, at least at the outset, you're going to have to deal with the previous situation, even though you weren't a part of it, and you know answer questions and then move on from there. So I, I get it, but you know I thought it was interesting uh, when I was listening to the Thirty Two Thoughts podcast yesterday, and they were talking about the Pittsburgh situation, who might be the general manager there. And Elliot Friedman said that he um, he was under the impression that it's possible that they could go and talk to the league about Stan Bowman because Mike Sullivan, before he joined the Penguins organization was actually working with the Blackhawks, and he and Bowman were working together. And Sullivan was supposed to be the head coach of the Olympic team last time around when Bowman was the general manager. Of course, that never happened because of COVID. They canceled going to the Olympics. So um, so my point is that, uh, you know, it, it's brought up, when you bring up Bowman, you've got to bring up Quenville because I think they both still want to be in the game. And at some point, somebody's going to have that conversation. So it's not uh, it's not out of the realm of possibility to keep it to keep him in the conversation until something's decided here. I, th- I think that's fair. As far as um, let's see, I listen. I don't know. I don't know um, Peter Laviolette at all. I really don't. And when I was in the East Coast Hockey League, he was coaching the Wheeling Nailers. And that's that's all I can tell you. So I, I I've never I can't say I've never met him. I mean I've met him, and I talked to him uh, briefly. I think it was at the All Star game when the All Star game was here, and they had the media availability. I might have talked to him for a couple of minutes. I don't really know him. I don't have any any interaction with him. That Jody Shelley would because Jody played for him in Philadelphia. Um, Claude Julien, I don't have a lot of interaction with, but. When I was in the American Hockey League, Claude Julien was the head coach of the Hamilton Bulldogs, and we played them quite frequently. And when I would be in the press room with our coaches, uh, our coaches and and he were, you know, they were on friendly terms. They would talk all the time. And Claude seems like a a great guy, very nice guy, obviously a very smart coach. Um, you know, I, that wouldn't be you know, to me. And, and I'm looking at guys just knowing them. A, a tiny little bit, you know, that would, that would be fine. Um, you know, to me, I, he's got a good personality. He speaks well. He's, he's going to represent the team well when he speaks. I think he holds his players accountable and all that stuff. Um, so I, I don't know. And are those going to be the only guys out there 
We don't know that either because somebody could get upset in the playoffs and somebody that you don't think is going to be available could all of a sudden become available too. We were, you know, joking around the other day, kind of. I say joking and here. I'll, I'll use air quotes on this and put that around them. Um, with Gerard Gallant, like if the Rangers were to get blown up in this first round against the Devils, um, could Gerard Gallant all of a sudden find himself back on the street looking for a job? And, you know, he's somebody that, again, he was on the radar the last time that the Blue Jackets made a uh, coaching hire, and he's done a, a good job with his players now in a couple different locations. So are those going to be the only guys that are available? Probably not when it's all said and done. So we will see. Uh, to answer your question about Stanislav Svozil, uh, I thought he was good in the two games. I mean, I mean, good for a guy coming in from junior hockey and not looking really out of place, uh, you know, doing his job pretty well. He picked up a point. He assisted on Bemstrom's goal against the Penguins. Don't hold that against him. That was his job. He's just trying to do his job. Um, and I say that in jest, of course, since so many are upset about the, the win that night. Um, but, yeah, he, he looked fine. He's got work to do in the American Hockey League. He's got to get assimilated to the pro game and all that stuff. But the very small sample size, um, he looked like he's on the right track. And that's really all you want is you want a guy to be on the right track right now because there's a lot of track. It's going to be a long ride. So just stay on the track and get the job done. Let's go to Paul and welcome him in on the mailbag. Hi, Paul. Hey, Bobby. How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm good. Let's all keep our fingers crossed Scotty Bowman's hired in Pittsburgh because Yarmo will end up with Crosby by next week. Oh, you mean no you mean Stan Bowman, not Scotty. Stan Bowman, excuse me. Scotty's really smart. Yeah. Stan, yeah. <laughs> he wound up on the wrong end of a lot of trades with the Blue Jackets when he was with Chicago. So I'm with you on that. But go ahead. Dang it, got them all mixed up. That's rude. Ah, you know, one Bowman, another Bowman. <laughs> with you had the right you had the last name right, so there you go. Hey, fifty percent. Hey, I'm curious if you watched any of the uh end of season um interviews that the guys did or press conferences the guys did and if you had any takeaways from them i was there i was in on some of them i wasn't in on all of them um i just i don't know is there anybody in particular that that uh, impressed you or that caught your attention let me ask you that way it, it, I, uh, I, everybody sounded very similar very motivated to not let it happen anymore I thought Elvis's comments were a lot of the same stuff we've already heard from him, and I'm just getting a little bothered by hearing it from him. I'd rather see it. You know what I mean? I do. I and, and let me let me let me stop you right there. And, and again, I'm not. This is not a pick on Elvis show by any means, but mm -hmm. you're right. I mean, I we were in Minnesota a couple of weeks ago, uh, losing a game, and he's talking about how he he screamed out his frustrations into the ocean over the All Star break, and and then you know. It, and it hasn't changed. It is time. And I know he said this, and I'm with you on this. It is time to walk the walk. We know you can talk the talk. We absolutely know you can because you do it all the time. You're great in front of a camera. It's awesome. I get it. Now, please go do it. That's all I want from him. And I root for the kid. I really do. I want him to do it. And they've got to find out. It's it's To me, it's now or never for him. Uh Stop talking about it. Go out there and do it. A hundred percent. Hopefully he does. I don't, I just kind of worry sometimes. Some, yeah, obviously guys in contract years, something about them, you know, they extra motivation to get that long contract. And then 
I don't know what's the old saying. I'm going to screw it up probably, but you know, it's hard to be motivated when you're sleeping in silk sheets or something like that. (laughs) You you did better than you did with the Bowman. So go ahead. There you go. Hey, Um, but you know what I mean? It's, uh, I wonder if part of me, hopefully a coach coach will hold him, you know, get him going in the right direction. A new coach will, but I worry some part of me is like, Hey, he's like, I got my contract. I got my money. It is what it is. And that's fair until he proves you wrong. Absolutely fair. So, um, yeah, I, I agree with you. The other guys, they look, hockey players tend to sound the same when they're doing interviews anyway. And I thought that was the case. Uh, you know, Boone said all the right things. Uh, Zach Wierenski said all the right things. Uh, they all The guys that have been here for a, well felt, for a while felt bad about their performances leading to the dismissal of Brad Larson. Um, they all know they have to be better. Um, you know, Zach kind of challenged everybody, I guess you would say, himself and everybody else to be better during the summer so they're better going into next year, and, and, and that's all fine. But, yeah, I just I felt like nobody said anything that I didn't expect to hear until Marchenko said that maybe next year he'd come back having dyed his hair blonde or maybe just shave it all off. That was, that was the <laughs> thing that shocked me the most of the whole day. That'd be pretty good to see. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> Very good. Well, I appreciate it, Bobby. All right, Paul, thanks. Appreciate you being on the show today. If you want to get on the show and if you're on Twitter Spaces Live, all you have to do is request to be a speaker, and I'll bring you up. And uh, we can chat. We can talk. I can listen to your uh, your viewpoint, and you can listen to mine and the whole nine yards. Let's do that with Jordan right now. Hello, Jordan. Welcome to the Monday Mailbag. Oh, yeah. Hey, how's it going on this fine Monday, Bob? Good. How are you? Can't complain at all. You know, I've got some good questions. What are your thoughts on, you know, you know, the Jackets may be looking at considering Jared Bull as the head coach. How do you see him because of him becoming an assistant coach in the past? I thought you told me you had good questions. Listen, um, I'm, I'm, I'm teasing. Look, Jared, maybe at some point in time, not now. He just doesn't have the – Right. He, he needs a lot more experience. I mean, he's he's on that path. He's doing he's doing good things, and they had him on the bench during the third period of uh, – of games here and and he got great experience of that but yeah he is not not at this point Jordan he, he's got a long way to go for a team that's in a situation like this team is right now right right and I mean every every now and then you can't expect um a lot but how do you see you know you know the monsters organization kind of helping out because I mean what are your thoughts about you know even the Ducks head coach do you see him becoming the new head coach for the Jackets, or do you see another another approach as as time moves on? Yeah, it's funny you bring that up. Dallas Akins did get fired by the Anaheim Ducks, and nobody's putting his name into uh, the recycled coaches category at this point in time. And, no, I don't see that because he's coming from a team that was in a similar situation as this one was. Um, you know, it's kind of like it could be – kind of seen as doing the same thing I think for a guy like Dallas he's probably going to be uh, out of the head coaching role for a bit uh, maybe go back as somebody's assistant maybe resurface in a couple of years as a guy that has previous head coaching experience but I, I don't see that as I don't see that as being a good fit I, I think that's just like taking a, a guy like Brad Larson and uh, replacing Brad Larson with him I, I think they need to do something else Right, right. And you're and you're and you're right. You know, most of the people have always asked, you know, um honestly, I mean I've looked around, but here's a here's another one. I did you actually hear about the Jonathan Taze 
where his last game with the Blackhawks, do you see him coming to Columbus or do you see him going somewhere else? I could. I think he's of the age that he will look to go somewhere where they have a good chance to be a Stanley Cup champion in the next year or two. And I think that would put this team out of contention. Uh, I like him. I mean, a good centerman, uh, a good leader. I think he would help a lot in this situation, although he is from Winnipeg, and I could see, I could see him considering going there if they're going to continue – you know, on an upward trend in a place like right. that. I think he's going to – He's. He, I think he'll want to win another cup, and and this team is not at that point yet, and I think that would be a hindrance on that decision. No, no, you're right, and I and I think you're right. Sometimes you got to ask yourself a lot, you know, what are, what are your thoughts on who do you think will be the next goaltending coach? That's what I'm worried about because, I mean, you're right. Manny Legacy could have – had a contract renewed, but it, it's it's going to be hard. And I, I could tell that Elvis is frustrated, but, you know, he's 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 a good netminder. And, you know, whenever Elvis needs a little break, absolutely give Tarasov or Greaves a little bit of a chance to, you know, work themselves through, and they'll be great for next season. Well, I, uh, I don't know who the next goaltending coach is going to be. I mean, you know, Ian Clark, who's a former goaltending coach here, we were in Vancouver this year. He was, you know, telling us that his wife wants him to move back to Columbus. I don't know if that's somewhere the organization might go or not. Um, in fact, he's under contract out there, so I don't know what's, you know, if that's even possible. But when it comes to the style of a goaltending coach, I think that there's no question it would be the Ian Clark type of style where um, – as a coach, I, th- I think I, I would put it this way. I would say, as a coach, I'm not going to be your friend. I'm not going to be your buddy. I'm going to be your teacher. I'm going to be your motivator. I'm going to be your instructor. I'm going to be your taskmaster. And we're going to work. And we can be friendly to one another, of course. But don't think that we're best friends because that's not how this relationship is going to work. And I think that's what they want. I think that they want to get away from the the best friend relationship and I think they want more of a um, more of a taskmaster to deal with Elvis Merzlikens and see if that works because the previous approach hasn't worked so let's try something different I think that's where they are on that but as far as names uh, and that's you know when you're looking at head coaches that's pretty easy especially when you use the retread ones you, know, you could find those guys Talk about goalie coaches. They don't have to be guys that were NHL goalie coaches before. Um, they can be, I don't know, you, you could go and get the guy that uh, was his goalie coach in Switzerland where he had great success and, and maybe go that route. You know, this organization uh, did that once upon a time before. It was short-lived, but they they did go out and do it when uh, Freddie Norena was a goalie here. They went and they got his guy, and like I said, it was short-lived, but but it was tried. So I don't know. I'm not even going to throw a, a name out when it comes to that. I And again, I talked about this the other day. I wouldn't be surprised if the Blue Jackets uh, take a different approach to it. Not a different, a different approach for them, but an approach that a lot of teams are starting to take right now where 
they have put together basically a goaltending department where they have a director of goaltending. And I think the first guy that did this, maybe I'm wrong, but I know he has done it. Uh, Mitch Corns was with Barry Trotz forever, Nashville, and then moved on to Washington with him. And that's what they did with Mitch. Eventually, he, he stopped being the on the ice every day with the goalies, traveling to every game with the goalies guy. And he, be, he became like this uh, director of goaltending and, um, and did that. Roberto Luongo has the same type of a situation with the Florida Panthers, uh, director of goaltending. So he oversees uh, NHL goaltending coach, AHL goaltending coach. If you have a guy that's uh, over in Europe working with prospects or scouting over there or whatever, that would all fall under the umbrella of that director of goaltending. I'm not saying they're definitely going to do that, but it wouldn't shock me if they do that. I could see that being uh, another approach here, especially because it is somewhat of a dire situation with the goaltending right now. So it wouldn't surprise me if they decided to copy that approach that some other teams have already taken. But uh, we shall we shall see. Again, all these things will uh, sort themselves out. Lester, you're next up on today's Monday Mailbag. How are you? I'm not doing bad, Bob. Good. I'm the guy formerly known as Irwin, by the way. Ah, well, <laughs> that uh, that uh, um, explains the familiarity of your voice. Well, you know, uh, Lou Alcindor changed his name, so I mean, it's, it's perfectly legal, you know. <laughs> <laughs> quite the uh, quite the comparison, but uh, go ahead. What do you got? Well, first of all, I've started a million-dollar campaign to get Guy Gaudreau hired as the Blue Jackets' next coach. Oh, boy. But I'm going to need your help. See, I've done all the heavy lifting on social media, but you're going to have to provide the million dollars. Well, your campaign just ended. <laughs> uh, no, on a more serious note, I, I was a little surprised by the firing. Uh, it caught me off guard. Uh, realistically, uh, Zach Wierenski missed more than half of the games that uh, were played during his tenure. He didn't have his best defenseman. There were a lot of injuries. Uh, he had trouble putting the same lineup on the ice. I mean, it just, things just blew apart. It was almost so weird. I was about ready to call in an exorcist. <laughs> and uh, the season just reeled out of control, and, and I didn't really feel it was so much his fault. Uh, I thought the number one problem the team had was, was obviously, and it's been discussed, the goaltending. But, I mean, Elvis is a guy that can't get out of his own head. I don't know that he's tradable right now. I mean, you can't trade him a bad contract for a bad contract because the team trading for him is basically trading for a $5.4 million backup bully. And so, to me, he has no value. He either figures it out or works it out here, or they're stuck in a tough situation with him. Yeah, or, well, unless you run into that team that thinks – we can fix them because there are those guys out there. there. There are teams like that. I don't know if you can find one, but that would be the only uh, exception to the rule that I was going to say. And, and, you know, as you were talking about being surprised and all the injuries, um, I was thinking about this. And I've said this throughout the course of the year to people, and, I, you know, it was a fear that I had and that I didn't think about it ever since Saturday morning when the decision was made that Brad Larson wasn't coming back. Yes, there were a lot of injuries, but if you recall, before the injuries, this team was three and seven, and it it was it was not looking good. And then when the injuries happened, then it was almost guaranteed that it wasn't going to be good. So um, here here was a fear 
that I had uh, as the year went on. This wasn't when it was three and seven, but this is as we went on and we got deeper in the year. If you keep everything status quo and you go into next year and everybody's healthy and all of a sudden you have another start like that, to me, you're looking at Todd Richards 2.0 because now you're going to have to relieve your coach 10 games, 15 games, 20 games into the season. And the minute you do that, you're almost throwing away another season. And, and I know that's not entirely fair because the Blues changed coaches, put Craig Berube in there, and, and they ended up winning the Stanley Cup in the same year. So that does happen. But I think with a, a younger team that you're trying to push over the hump and, and, and get it going out of the development stage and into the um, starting to perform and get to the playoff stage, uh, that is that could have been a fear. And maybe based on what they were seeing, because Yarmo talked a lot about watching practices and watching everything and how everything was done. Maybe that was a fear that the organization had as a management group that um, that it may not uh, it may not fix itself just because everybody was healthy. Now you can counter me and say, well, last year they overperformed. Yeah, they did, but last year there were no expectations. When Johnny Gaudreau arrives, there are expectations. Everything changes, like it or not. So, um, I don't know if that's something they thought about, but if they were watching practices and they felt that that wasn't going well enough or or whatever wasn't being handled right, if there was a fear of getting off to a, a bad start next year because you didn't make the change when you should have, maybe that factored in. Well, uh, if, you, if you go back to what you were just talking about, the 3-7 and seven start, they were actually three and four. And leading up to that trip to Finland, they had three straight games that were the first sure sign of trouble, I thought, because I had a home game with Arizona, who they destroyed last year, and they lost, and they were non-competitive. They followed that up with a Boston game. They lost. They were non-competitive. I don't even remember a scoring chance in that game. And then they went to New Jersey and got embarrassed. And then when they added two more losses in Finland, they were suddenly a three and nine team. And the strange thing is, they came back home, and in the next four games, they collected seven points. But in those four games, all of a sudden, everybody went down. They lost five players, and you just saw the season. It's like the old baseball adage. You can't win the pennant in April, but you can lose it in April. And that seemed to be right away what was happening. Yeah, I, and I, you know, we could we could be surprised by the fact it happened on Saturday, but there were times during the season it could have happened, and I don't think we would have been surprised. Like that that Buffalo game where Tage Thompson scored five goals in that game, um, that was one of those where I was like, man, this is this is one of those types of games and performances where you could you could do that if you wanted to when you pair it up with a lot of other things. But they never did. They they let him get through the whole thing and, and gave him every opportunity. But I guess at the end they just figured out that wasn't good enough. I'll say two other things rather quickly. Uh, I think looking back, I think they should have done something with Cole Sillinger, like a, a little trip to Cleveland sometime between Thanksgiving and Christmas instead of around St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, but they uh, it, they really didn't have anything, though. I, I mean, it's like they went – I think they went out and they got Lane Peterson almost specifically so they had another guy that could play center and they could do that with him. Yeah, and I've said before, and I'll say again, I, I really like uh, Ivan Provorov. Uh, there's a lot of things to like about him. He's a shot blocker extraordinaire. I added it up. Provorov, Goodbranson, and Peak combined this year had 495 block shots between the three of them, and that number would have topped 500 if Goodbranson hadn't missed the last 12 games. 
I kind of like the thought of those guys on my blue line. And I think one of the things that kept uh, Vladislav Gavrikov from being re-signed is I think what Yarmo wants is a guy to build a bridge, two, maybe three years at the most. So he's got all of his prospects on the blue line, NHL ready. So he didn't want to extend himself with anybody beyond that. And Provorov only has two years left on his contract. And through the first seven years of his career, he's missed all of three games due to injury. He's very, very durable. I like him. He's a little expensive at $6.75 million, But if you can get the Flyers to retain one and a half or two million of that, then you're paying him closer to what you probably would have given Gavrikov. Yeah, and it's it's been talked about that that's a guy that they could be open to moving. So you might be able to get that from him. All right, were you going to package him and Kevin Hayes in some kind of a deal? Because, you know, that one won't go away. And I watched him play last week against the Blue Jackets, and I was like, I'm having a hard time being excited about that. No, I don't want Kevin Hayes at all. Other than he plays center and he's a big guy, I mean, he – I don't know if he's just done with Tortorella or what the deal is, but, I mean, he was non-existent in that game last Tuesday night in Philly. When players get on the backside of 30, 31, as Hayes is, I'd be really reticent to start to want to invest in them, Uh, more so with players who are defensemen who are known for the block shots and the hits because you can only have so much of that and it takes its toll on your body. I think that was one of the reasons why they didn't want to keep David Savard around. And so I just, no, I'm I'm not a fan of Kevin Hayes at all. I think they could do better somewhere else. Well, we'll see if they do or if they don't. Thank you very much. Great to have you on today. And uh, where are we going next year on this final Monday mailbag of the season? We're going to go right back to it and just waiting for him to connect because I don't know if he'll hear me if I don't wait until he connects. And I'm waiting, waiting, waiting. Mr. Union Blue is next up on the Monday Mailbag. Hello. Hi, Bob. How are you this afternoon? I'm well. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Um, With all the discussion about coaches from the other leagues, coaches from uh, associate coaches from other teams, it begged the question after I read the article from Aaron Portsline about uh, his Sunday Mailbag, about just discussing some possible replacements. He brought up the uh, couple of names that at least uh, for the – some people that have been around the franchise for a while will at least remember. And that was uh, Manny Malhotra and, um, uh, goodness gracious. Sergey Fedorov. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that also brought up the, the other one more question is, um, Curtis Sanford actually is a, a goaltending coach with the Toronto Maple Leafs right now. And I believe he's kind of, he was only on a one year deal. I'd have to look into that a little further, but, um, do you think with a couple other already, uh, a couple other Blue Jacket veterans already in the uh, front office, that they may go that direction? They could. That's a good question. Um, yeah, I forgot about Curtis Sanford. Good guy when he was here. I mean, he was uh, he was your quintessential backup goaltender, and when he would get thrust into uh, the starting role, I mean, he just he embraced it. I liked him. I, I always thought he was a hard worker. He's a good guy. Um, he was the first guy to get those baby blue pads when the Blue Jackets first got their third jerseys. I remember that uh, quite well. Um, so I don't know. I mean, he, yeah, it's, I, I guess that would be uh, possible. You know, some of the guys that are in the front office now are former teammates. Um, you know, what I, – I don't, I don't know if he's that taskmaster guy that we were talking about. I don't know a lot about him as a goaltending coach. Uh, Toronto was – you know, they've made it through. Um 
with uh, Samsonov and, and Murray, and Murray's been hurt how many times? And, and that Joseph Wall has come up from the American Hockey League and, and played and, and filled in and done a decent job for them when they've needed him to. So, um, you know, when you just look at that, you know, they, they've made it through with what they've had, and they've had to go, you know, three deep, four deep at times. And uh, they're, they've got home ice in the, in the first round of the playoffs. So maybe um, the, uh, the Manny Malholtra, I was, I was thinking about Manny when we were in Toronto last time, and I saw him during the morning skate on the ice. Uh, and I, I was wondering the same thing. I wonder where he is as far as uh, are people looking at him as a potential head coach? I mean, is, is he there? Is he turning the corner on that? Um, or not. Maybe maybe we'll find out. Maybe a guy like that can get involved in the conversations. And, and sometimes sometimes you don't get the job, but you get the interview, and that is uh, an indicator. First of all, it's self-motivating for you, right? I mean, you want you want the interview, and you you want to you want to know that people are looking at you in that way, and you want other teams to know that people are looking at you in that way. So again, I'm not sure uh, the Sergey Fedorov thing. He is in Russia. I don't. I don't know if he has desire to get back to the National Hockey League right now and come here as a coach. Uh, I don't even know if that's something that is that that they've thought of. I mean, that's that's just uh, names that have been thrown out there about you know potential. That's somebody's opinion on potentials that are out there. But I don't I don't know if that's something that Sergey would want to do. I know he's had good success over there in the KHL, so maybe maybe I think it'll be really interesting. I. I I just want to see how large of a net they cast on this whole thing. I want to see how many different people they, they really – that you find out that they talk to. There will be some that they, they talk to, and you'll never even know the difference. And then there will be other ones that they talk to that will be very serious, and and we'll hear all about that. So I, I'm, I'm interested to see how wide of a net is going to be cast here when it comes to this coaching search. Oops, I guess I should left that up when I should have turned it down. Anyway, uh, let's connect here on this Monday mailbag, final one of the season. The Blue Jackets wrapped it up last Friday night. Now getting ready for that NHL lottery, the uh, draft lottery. Almost said lottery draft. That's wrong. NHL draft lottery coming up on May the 8th. It's just a couple of weeks away. And then the Blue Jackets will know exactly where they're going to pick and exactly what that's uh, going to involve. Um, on Twitter, C. Whaley says to me, is it time to package prospects for proven veteran talent? If so, which position is the top need? Well, if you're going to do that, um, I would say defense would be the top need. You need goaltending and defense. You're not going to do it with a goaltending position more than likely. You're going to try to fix what you have there. So I would say defense. Brian McGee says, after seeing so many young players get a chance to perform at the NHL level, whose stock went up and down the most? Uh, well, again, Spozil, a very nice showing coming in and playing two games out of the Western Hockey League. Not easy to go from junior hockey to the NHL and uh, all of a sudden, you know, not look like you don't belong there. And that's, that's true. He looked like he... Uh, he looks. Uh, he looked just like he he is going to be okay here once he gets a little bit of experience. Um, who else? Your check is going to be fine. I think he's going to be absolutely fine. Jake Christensen. Uh, there was a guy, and again, they didn't draft him. They signed him as a free agent. 
He had a couple of chances here. I like Jake a lot. Um, you know, they see him as a – he was an offensive-minded defenseman and junior. I, I don't know. You know, he kept on going back. Tim Bernie stayed the whole time. He kept on going back. So maybe the stock is down a little bit on that guy. Um, you know, forwards – forwards is a little bit tougher because, like with Josh Dunn, I think I think Josh Dunn is – is uh, progressing in the right way. But then they had to send him back to try and get Cleveland into the playoffs, which ultimately didn't happen anyway. Um, so, you know, a couple of guys like that, you know, Trey Fix-Wolanski, where is he? He got a goal before the season was over in the NHL. He's a restricted free agent. He has, uh, you know, after he signed him to bring him back, I don't think his stock dropped. And, if anything, he could have been done after sleeping in and missing that meeting. But to his credit, he went back to the American League and he and he played well and, and he got back here. And then he had a goal after he got back here. So I'll I'll give him I give him all the credit in the world for that. But is he is he taking anybody's spot here? That's what's really going to be the question of the the wingers that are here now. And again, Foodie improved his stock. He really did. I, I think he is. Uh, Unless he is traded during the offseason because his stock is higher now, and that's something I would consider, no offense to Liam, but what kind of a role do you have for him? Can you can you get something, can you get more for him now than you could have last offseason because of the way he finished the year? Maybe you can. You know, does he beat out an Eric Robinson for the role with Corrali and Olivier? Maybe he does. Penalty killing, uh, he got much better at as he did more of it. He can play the fourth line. I know he's a former first-round pick, and you always hope they are going to go higher than the fourth line, but he can do. he's going to be a bottom six forward on this team. It's just where it is. He's going to be bottom six. So he, he improved his stock. There's no doubt about that. Uh, what else do I have here? Uh, Eric... Eric says, which available coaches have a reputation for developing young talent? Uh, again, I think if you get it, it depends. Like we were talking about the experienced guys, the Laviolettes, the Julians. Um, those guys are they've had to develop talent throughout their coaching career. Can they do it? Yeah. Are they better with a veteran team? Yeah, probably everybody is because there's you know there's more there's less margin for error and there's there there's more um, there's more structure going into it because it's an older team, but. They can all do that. And, and if you're, again, this comes down to when Brad Larson was hired by this team, it made perfect sense because the Blue Jackets were beginning their retool and they were, they were, they knew they were going to miss the playoffs. You just lost uh, all your character guys. I shouldn't say all, that's not right. You had lost the bulk of your veteran character guys out of your dressing room. You lost uh, a head coach that's going to be in the Hall of Fame someday. They knew where they were, and they knew that guys like Kent Johnson were going to come in and skip the American Hockey League and go right to the NHL. They didn't know Cole Sillinger was going to do that at 18, but as it turns out, he did. They knew they needed a development coach. They could get away with a development coach because it was going to be a development team. Now, it's different because... Some of those guys have gotten that development. And you got Johnny Gaudreau, as I said earlier. It's different when you get Johnny. Your expectations 
are different. You're not developing Johnny. You're not developing Patrick Line. You're not developing Boone Jenner. You're not developing Eric Goodbranson. You're not developing Zach Wierenski. You know, so now it's time for a coach that can start to move the needle with those kind of guys and the young guys like Kent Johnson, you know, get them going because now now he is seasoned. It's only been one year, one plus, but it's he's a heck of a lot of a different player. So this, you know, when you're talking about de- developing young players, I think they're hoping they're by that. No, the, the defenseman will come up. These defensemen will start filtering in. Now, you're going to have to develop your check. Um, but that doesn't have to necessarily be a head coach. Maybe that's your maybe that's your defensive coach. If Steve McCarthy was developing guys in Cleveland prior to coming here before last season. He's still a guy that can do that. He takes a lot of a lot of flack. Because the defense was not good, but the defense was decimated. First of all, it was already going to be a work in progress, and then it was decimated. So put those two things together, doesn't work out. And and he could have been he could have been tied to it just the way that Manny was tied to Elvis. That didn't work out and it cost you. And it could have happened with him, but they they haven't done that. They uh and and I'm sure that it has to do with not only what went on here this year, but the uh, job that he did prior to this in the American Hockey League. You know, I have a lot of questions. I'm not going to go through all of them because there's so many and they're they're worded so much the same. And basically, here it is in a nutshell. People asking, you know, what about the the accountability of the general manager on this entire situation? Listen, you know, Yarmo has uh, drafted, he's traded, he's uh, signed free agents, and now he's let go of his coach. So... This is the way it works in pro sports, okay? You basically get, you know, this opportunity. Once you change coaches, then the the spotlight shines more on you in the future. That's really kind of how it works, right? Because you can say, hey, this coach didn't work out. I realized I made a mistake on that. I'm going to bring in another coach. If, If the coaches continue to not work out, then it's either because the players aren't working out or because you're just you continue to select the wrong coaches so it just you you get to do that and now there's going to be more accountability and he wants the accountability of course he wants the responsibility the accountability they are set and when I say they I mean the entire management group and it starts with John Davidson and and then Yarmo Kekalainen and uh, you know Basil McCray and the the all of them all of those guys they started working on this the minute the final horn sounded. Obviously, because the coach didn't make it through the next morning. So they want that, and they want to fix it, and they believe that they can fix it. And, you know, that's what the that's what the job is going to be. If you come back next year and you're in this very same situation, then there are going to be other questions, and they're going to be asked of different people other than the coaches. That's how it is, and everybody gets it. Everybody understands that. So, you know, it's – so so that's where it is. So don't there, – there's nothing – look, they're going to get a new coach. They're going to get a new goaltending coach. They're going to make some moves with some players. They're hopefully going to draft number one or number two, and they're going to get a good player with that, and then we're we're going to go. We're gonna, as, as John Davidson always says, we're going to go forward. And if 
God forbid you're in a similar situation at the end of next year. As I said, there will be other discussions. But, you know, the thought process is we're going to start going up. Going to start going back in the direction that this franchise had been going in. There will be a new core. It'll be a younger core. Um, it already is a younger core with the guys that they have. Um, it'll be different, but it'll be good. So you get the opportunity to go do that and make it right. Mark Carell says, I thought Brad Larson should have pulled the goalie in overtime against Pittsburgh and rolled the dice. If they win, okay. If they lose, they lose. The standing point. Most responses were the coach would lose the room, but really? Do you think so? Do you think we'll ever see that strategy in the NHL? That's not the strategy that I would have employed, Mark. That if, if it was me, that's not what I would have done. I joked about pulling the goalie when the game was tied. You could have done that in the Philly game, too. I mean, if you re- and you'll take a lot of heat over it. And, you know, as I, I said to people, I said, I would have done it and I would have embraced it and I would have said, I don't care if you don't like it. I don't care about the integrity, but really, there is integrity. So, yeah, you shouldn't do that kind of stuff. However, however, I wouldn't have pulled the goaltender in overtime, and I wouldn't have pulled the goaltender in regulation. But what I might have done, what I might have done in the overtime, if I'm getting to the overtime and I really don't want that second point, I mean, I want it. See, this is, the, this is what's unfair. The coach wants it. The player wants it. You don't want it. I don't want it. The management may not want it, but, but they, they want it, and they're playing the game, so they get to decide. But what I might have done is I might have said, you know, let's see. We can go three on three. Let's have Hunter McCown take the opening faceoff in overtime. Let's have uh, Mikhail Puthia play on the wing, and let's have Billy Sweezy be the defender. Let's do that to start it. And then when I rotate my second line out there, um, I might have uh, Samuel Canasco on the blue line, and I might have, um, uh, I don't know, what other? I might not have put my top guys out there is what I'm saying. And I'm not knocking Brad Larson. I understand why he did what he did. I understand the player's mentality. I understand the coach's mentality. But you didn't. my whole point to you is, Mark, you didn't have to pull the goaltender In overtime, there were plenty of ways that you could have put yourself at a disadvantage, if you will. I mean, Crosby against McCown on the faceoff, no offense to Hunter. He he won a lot of faceoffs that night, a lot of good ones. But you could have tipped the scales if you wanted to. Would the integrity still be – I was just thinking about this. Would people still get on you as much if you put out that kind of a lineup instead of just pulling the goalie like you said? <laughs> I mean, it's it's kind of – it's not – well, it's kind of the same thing, but it's not the same thing because with the open net, you're just basically saying, go ahead, win the faceoff and win the game. Whereas this way, you're still trying to compete. You're just doing it with guys that are not nearly as experienced as the guys that they're going to be going up against. Um, What is this? Uh, Nikki? Nike, Nike, I don't know. Here's the question. Do you think it's possible to trade our second first-round pick for Hannafin? I guess you're asking about Noah Hannafin. Um, I don't think I, – I I don't know if it would be just that pick, I, and I don't know. I'm not sure. Things are – well, here's one for you. Um. 
they just changed general managers in Calgary this morning. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm trying to think and read at the same time. They just changed general managers in Calgary, so that's going to be uh, different here. I'm reading because Mr. Union Blue said, whoops, did I get removed or banned from the call instead of just from speaking? No, I no, you didn't. I thought you'd asked your question and and uh, I, I didn't know uh, I didn't know you were wanted to continue. So I, I apologize for that. I thought um, I thought you'd thrown it out there and I was answering. And so I I removed you, but I, I didn't ban you for crying out loud. I, I just thought your stuff was in and. And you were done talking, and you were just listening to the answer. So uh, I apologize if I was wrong in that assessment. Go down to the final day. That's me. Go down to the final day and just tick people off on the final day. Well, you know, it wouldn't be the first time I did something like that for sure. Well, let me see if I got some anything else here. Uh, let me see. Yeah, Jacket Bill says, with what was on the line – in the Pittsburgh game, why would Brad Larson play Johnny 20, 23 minutes or deploy his top players so aggressively to win that game? Uh, could end up hurting the team, city fans, uh, generational player. I, I just don't get it. Well, I just told you. I just told you exactly what the deal was. It was just their, their mindset is not to lose. Simple as that. That is their mindset. They they wanted to win that game. They wanted that point. Um, again, the way we see it, the way they say it, uh, the way they see it are two different things. I am going to say this to you. I am so glad, so glad that it's over and we don't, none of us have to hope for losses because I, I got so sick of that, just terribly sick of that. It is, it's not right. It's not the way things should be. It's not the, the normal order of business, and it was driving me crazy. So I, that part, I'm glad, is over. Cincy Jackets fan, welcome to the Monday Mailbag. Bob, you there? Can you yes, hear me? yes, I can hear you. Thanks for taking it. Um, <clears throat> two questions. Um, where do you think, and now just to gauge on a numerical, where do you think the over-under will be? Uh, at 80 points next year for the Jackets. Uh, that's the first. And then second, what are you most looking forward to uh, for yourself and your family for the offseason? Thank you uh, for the great uh, podcast. And uh, go Jackets. Looking forward to 2023-2024. Well, thanks. Let me ask you, what do you think about the 80 points? I think that's – so that would be 21-point improvement, right? So that's going to be another 10.5 wins. I think they can get close to that. I think they can. I think they can be in that area. I still think that's going to be about ten points short of a playoff spot. Absolutely, it is no man's land. Um, so they they still will have a chance to get you know maybe a good draft pick, but um, with the defense, you know, still needing improvement and development. Um, depending upon what ends up happening with trades over the off season, you know that that could affect it. You know, so. Um, who knows? Maybe they could get the ninety and squeeze in. Possibly. They want to. I'll, I'll I'll say this to you. I think if they're at that eighty plateau, I think that would be. Um, I think they could be happy with that because now you're trending the right way, and now the next year you're expected to be back in the playoffs. I, I still think next year is going to be a, a a stretch to get back into the postseason, but I feel like the season after that that you should be 
that you should be there, not like yeah. should be hoping. I, I think next year you're hoping, and the year after that you should be back. And I say that is is so many other teams are getting better in the division, by the way. Um, but, you know, when's Carolina going to start? To, they've been so good for so long, but they're going into a playoff series where their goaltending is finally being questioned. I've been questioning that for the last three years. Um, you know, so they're, they're the next team that's going to come into the crosshairs and say, when do these guys start to start to lose a little bit of their uh, star power? Pittsburgh already has. Washington has. Um, so there are other teams getting better. The other problem is, to be honest with you, is uh, it's not just the teams in the division. You've got to be in the top three. But once you get out of that and you start looking at wild cards, Ottawa is is coming on. Buffalo is coming on. I mean, there's there's other teams that are, that are getting better. So I think next year's going to be a stretch, but I, I feel like the year after next, you've got to be back in. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. And as far as looking forward to doing in the summer, I don't know. People ask me all the time, do you have these big travel plans? Do you have this? Do you have that? And I don't. Quite honestly, I mean, I I want to go watch my son play some baseball this week, I think, uh, before his college season is over. And, uh, you know, I'm going to play some uh, adult league softball, which I love to do. And, uh, you know, hope I don't get a line drive right back at the mound at me. And, um, you know, after that, maybe play a little bit of golf if I can find somebody that wants to swing the club. And I'm very, I'm very simple like that. We don't do a lot of planning. Now, what we do in this family, I'll be honest with you, is we don't plan, and then we spur of the moment do crazy stuff. Like, we'll just pick up and grab stuff and go somewhere on the spur of a moment, uh, and we do that kind of stuff. But my grandmother told me a long time ago, whenever you just make, whenever you make plans, you're just asking to have them screwed up. So we tend to fly by the seat of our pants a lot here. I, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but that's what we do. That sounds lovely. <laughs> I hope you enjoy it and get to relax. Um, I'll be... Uh, Working and getting my shoulder back ready for a beer league hockey. Okay. Uh, down here in Cincy. So. I hope you didn't get it hurt during beer league hockey. Uh, I'm on the IR. <laughs> Still. You know what? If I, I can play beer league softball because I can run my mouth and it's not going to cost me. If I was doing beer league hockey, I'd be like you. I, I wouldn't be able to walk to the plane half the time. I know it because I wouldn't be able to shut up. I know exactly. And I'm not saying that's how you got hurt. I'm just saying if it was me, I know I know where I am in life, and I need to be quiet. And if I can't be quiet, I just can't be involved. Right. Make sense? Yeah, yeah. It makes total sense. <laughs> all right. Thanks for being on today. I appreciate thank it. Thank you. Thanks for all you do. All right. Thank you. Uh, what else do I have here? I get something else that came in. Chris says, what do you see happening with Roslevic? If he stays, uh, do you think the next coach could get more out of him? You know, as much as I want to say, yeah, I think they could, I don't know, and I'll tell you why. It's his second organization. He's been with another organization. Um, the things that he didn't like there and the opportunities he thought he wasn't getting there and he could be a better player there um, if he got those opportunities. He has gotten them here, and he has not been, is not been as good as he should be. So I don't know if another coach can get the most out of him. I think they'll look to move on from Jack Roslevic. I think if uh, if they could put him in a deal, they might do that. Now, that being said, if he does wind up staying here, and he is a part of what goes on next year, I hope somebody can get him to be more consistent. I mean, he just, you know, even those last couple of games, he was uh, turning pucks over, and I don't mean like turning them over, like like passing them to the other team. 
very blatantly. It was, uh, I, I don't know what was going on. So I don't know if they can get more out of him uh, down the line. If he's here, I'll root for him. I hope that, uh, I, I hope he, he has such potential. He could be such a good player. He really could. If he would just be consistent, man, what a, what a player this guy could be and what money he could make. And he just, I, I, I feel, having watched him for the last couple of years, I really feel like Jack is his own worst enemy. And he has a world of potential. And he just, he, just for whatever reason, he just can't get it all put together on a regular basis. What else do I have here before we go? I can't believe I've been doing this for over an hour, and it, it feels like we just started, quite honestly. Um but that's the last one. You know, you don't want to let it go. You want to you want to keep going. You want to hold on. Even when the season's bad, even when there's there's not a lot of good things to talk about. You want to hold on and you just want to you don't want to let it go. But we're going to here in just a minute. I got an email from uh Lauren. Lauren sent her question via email. So here it is. Hey Bobby Mack, it's Lauren from Florida checking in one more time for this season. First of all, I just want to thank you and uh, Jody Shelley and Jeff Rimmer and Dylan Tyre and Jeff Swoboda, everybody associated with all the different programming that you guys put out throughout the season. It really makes even seasons like this very enjoyable for us fans getting to ask our questions and really more than anything, getting to hear from you guys and getting to learn more about the game and the league and different people that you all have met. For me, I just find it fascinating. So thank you. (laughs) And um, so my question for today for the Monday Mailbag is, if you, you know, with our current coaching situation now, if you could pick any coach right now in the league, who would it be? I know for me, the first name that comes to mind, thinking about the John Tortorella culture that we kind of want to revive these days, I think of Martin St. Louis, but I know getting him to leave Montreal might be kind of tough, and I don't know what his contract situation is with that team, but um, nevertheless, that was the name that came to my mind with him kind of being, you know, younger players coach, like what we wanted out of Larson, but also that potentially tougher coaching style that maybe he would have inherited from Torts. Um, and playing under him for so long. But I'm very curious your thoughts on this. I'm sure you know of many more coaches than I would. So thanks as always, Bob, and have a great off season and a fun summer with your family. Thank you, Lauren. Appreciate it. Uh, if I could pick any coach, like Martin St. Louis is not leaving Montreal. He's got a lot of work to do there. And they, they're looking at him to be the leader to get to that work. So he's not leaving there. That, that would be a good choice. If I could take anybody, including guys that are under contract right now, I'd take Mike Sullivan from Pittsburgh. Um, you know, if, if they got a new general manager and Mike Sullivan became available, which he will not because I believe his contract goes to 2027. But you talk about wanting a Tortorella type, that's a Tortorella type right there because he was his right-hand man for so many years. Um, if I could take anybody, including guys that are already employed, uh, that's a guy that I would take right away. But, um, again, not going to happen. It's great to great to think about, but uh, just, uh, just not going to happen. So I think we have finally come to the end of the road. As I take a look at it here, as I look at the, the questions I had, the speaking requests that I had, and the emails I had, I keep saying had. You know what that is? That's past tense. That means it's over. As much as you want it to continue, it's over. It's very simple. 
Now, I'll tell you what is not over. That coverage that Lauren was just talking about throughout the course of the offseason. I just talked with Dylan Tyre earlier today. He was getting set to chat with Rick Nash, who is in charge of player development for the Blue Jackets, to uh, talk about some of the prospects. Again, a lot of them we saw this year. Did I think I was going to see Samuel Canasco after training camp, even after the, the development camp in Traverse City? Did I think that? No, I did not. But we did. Did I think I was going to see Mikhail Puthia play in the National Hockey League in a real game this year? No, I did not. But we did. Did I think Stanislav Svozil would get knocked out of the Western Hockey League playoffs in the first round and wind up playing two games in the NHL? No. But we did see that. So you never know. So a lot of the guys you saw, some of the guys you didn't. Jordan Dumay is probably somebody they'll talk about because he scored more points than anybody else in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League this year. But you can look for that on our uh, Blue Jackets channels at bluejackets.com and also wherever you find your favorite podcast, the Pipeline Podcast. Dylan will keep cranking those out. And uh, whether he's talking to the actual prospects or whether he's talking to the Rick Nashes or other people in player development or people that are in the media that cover prospects for NHL teams, He'll talk to them all. All the ones he hasn't talked to, he'll talk to. And the ones he has already talked to, he'll talk to them again. Leading up to the draft at the end of June. That is for sure. Um, As far as what do we have coming up, uh, the draft lottery is on May the 8th. I told you that earlier. We're doing something for that. I'm not sure exactly what we're doing, so stay tuned. And when I know, you'll know. Might do one of these around there, maybe right after that. That would be a good idea, right? Maybe that night. Maybe right after it happens, we'll do it. Maybe the next day. I don't know. We have to have meetings about it. We have to have meetings. That's the bad thing about the offseason. Now it's about meetings. Now go in and have meetings about this and meetings about that. And You just have to make sure that you don't only have the meetings and never do what you talk about in the meeting. You have to meet about it and then actually, <laughs> then actually go out and do what you talked about in the meeting. So anyway, uh, the draft lottery is on May the 8th. Uh, the draft's at uh, the end of June, last week in June, and... Again, between now and then, there are going to be things that are going to happen. If the Blue Jackets get a coach um, before the draft, we'll get together and talk about it. You'll be able to find the interviews. I'll I'll come on, and and we can go back and forth about it just like this. So it's kind of like uh, um, – what do I want to say here? It's it's kind of like appointment listening, and I'll let you know when the appointment is, okay, as we go through and different things happen. When there's something that – that happens that warrants uh, the coverage and the conversation, I will uh, be here for you. And I know you'll be there for me because you have all year long, which at this point in time, I need to say, as uh, all of you have thanked me for doing this throughout the course of the year, I've got to thank you because if you're not listening to it, if you're not interacting with it, there is absolutely no reason for me to do it. Uh, In a season where your allegiance was put to the test, the ultimate test, if there was ever a year that you could throw up your hands and walk away and bail on a team, this was the year, right? You finished almost dead last in the league, should have finished dead last in the league, but you didn't do anything of the kind. You were there through it all, through thick and thin, through the good times and the bad times, and the bad times outweighed the good times this year. But the good times are going to outweigh the bad times again And you can't wait to get there, and I can't wait to get there with you. So I say to you, thank you for being here all throughout the season. 
and for listening to the programming that we put out there, for watching the videos that we put out there, uh, for being as engaged as you are. You know what people don't ask me much anymore as I travel around the National Hockey League? They don't ask me, how are the fans in Columbus? How are the fans? Are they coming to the games? Are the fans engaged? They don't ask me that anymore. They used to. They used to ask it a lot. They don't ask it anymore. You know why? Because you've taken that question away from so many people in this league. They can look at the attendance numbers, especially this year. You guys were unbelievable down the stretch. I don't know how you were doing it, but you were selling it out. It was We were coming to work in a playoff atmosphere even when the playoffs were so far out of reach. Um, so you, you're showing people. They can look at the attendance numbers. They can look at the ratings. They can, they, you know, they can look at our... They can look at the numbers of the people that interact in these types of podcasts, and it's right there. There is no need to ask how the fans are in Columbus. The fans in Columbus are terrific. The fans in Columbus are outstanding. The fans in Columbus are engaged, and the fans in Columbus are hungry, very hungry. We're all hungry, and we can't wait for this to start turning around. The worst is behind us. I will tell you that without hesitation. What we just went through, those 82 games, that has got to be the worst. Could you imagine it being worse? And I know somebody somebody's saying, hey, don't say that. It can always be worse. I don't think it can. I think the worst is behind us. And now it's time to start making it better. One day at a time. It's going to get better Day by day. Some days, it'll really get better. May the 8th, it could get really better. Really better. And the draft can get really better. There'll be trades, free agency can get really better. Some days, maybe you take a half step back. Next day, you take two steps forward. Anyway, my point is, I know you're going to be there, and I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Very much. More than I can say to you right now. More than I can make you believe right now. So thanks for being there. And uh, thanks for, you know, making us feel like what we do is important to you and it's very worthwhile. That is, that's all we could ask. And a guy in my position, you just want to feel like, um, you know, people appreciate what you're doing. That, um, you know, the people want to be there and go through it with you. And I feel like that. So thanks. Thanks. Really, really appreciate it. And as I said, we will reconvene. It won't take until training camp to get back together. That's for sure. There'll be plenty of things we have to talk about along the way this year. So that's going to put a wrap on this final edition of the Monday Mailbag. For all of you who came on live via Twitter spaces, I appreciate that. For those of you that haven't tried it yet, make that one of your goals for the offseason and into next season. Just come on and talk. We love to talk hockey. That's why we're here. So until next time, I'm Bob McElligot saying thanks and so long.